Welcome to Matthew's World of Wine and Drink, an educational podcast dedicated to teaching you all about the wines of the world, the different regions, the different styles, the different grape varieties, and the history and culture associated with wine. In this episode, we're going to conclude our focus on Burgundy. We've looked at Chablis, we've looked at the Côte d'Or and the Côte de Nuit and the Côte de Beaune, which are located within the Côte d'Or. And now we're going to conclude by looking at Côte Chalonnaise and the Mâconnais, the two most southerly of the Burgundy's five regions. So we'll start by looking at Côte Chalonnaise, where both red and white wines are produced, as well as sparkling wine. So the name for the Côte Chalonnaise comes from the town of chalon sur which is located on the River Saône, an important trading river. And the chalon sur is a port which dates back all the way to Roman times, so historically very important. However, the wines aren't that famous, because chalon sur was really disconnected from Beaune and from Dijon, so the wines never really got into those areas and didn't gain, gain the fame they perhaps deserved. So Cote Chalonnaise today still lacks the fame and prestige that some of, it, of, of its wines perhaps deserve. So it's always a place to look for pretty good value, high quality Burgundy, as well as some of the cheaper stuff too. The Cote Chalonnaise is where the escarpment ends, the escarpment that goes through the Cote d'Or. And so here the vineyards are much more scattered around the area. Thinking of the Cote d'Or, it's just vineyard after vineyard after vineyard. Here in the Cote Chalonnaise, much more scattered among the arable land. So there's a lot of pastoral uh, farmland here rather than vineyards. And the land is much greener and more fertile. And if you ever drive through Burgundy, you notice the change from the Cote d'Or to the Chalonnaise very quickly because it's a much different landscape. But those vineyards are on limestone soils, so where there are limestone soils, a kind of gradual continuation of the uh, escarpment, then vines are planted. The wine growing region is quite small, about 25 kilometres wide and 5 kilometres long, and it produces just 16% of Burgundy's production. There are five villages within the Cote Chalonnaise which are noteworthy. The most important is Mercury. And this is called Mercury because it's named after the Roman god of commerce and thievery. Quite a connection there between commerce and thievery. And some would say, what is the difference? But that's another story. And there is still a Roman temple there. And mainly Pinot Noir in Mercury, 85% of plantings are to Pinot. And 20% of the village is planted to Premier Cru vineyards. I think there's 32 Premier Cru vineyards. And the soils are limestone and clay, quite varied soils here, which leads to um, different styles of wine. Uh, the soils are deeper near the river, and it's altitude that really adds to the quality where you're going to find the Premier Cru vineyards, because there are pebbles and limestones, and the soils are shallow. So the, the vines have to work a bit harder to produce, so you get more intensity and concentration to the wines. And those wines are quite deep coloured, tannic when young, but round and meaty when older, so these wines will um, age quite nicely. Next door to Mercury, is, or quite close to Mercury, is Givry, and very similar wines, though there's less concentration. Here the um, vineyards are east to southeast facing, around 240 to 280 metres high. So again, altitude is quite important for that perfect exposure and temperature. And here there are actually uh, 38 Premier Cru, so actually more Premier Cru than Mercury has. The Mercury is arguably the most important in terms of quality. Then we have Montaigny further to the south, and this is classic Chardonnay, 100% Chardonnay, nothing else is made here. And the Chardonnay here is floral, flinty, with hazelnut and peach aromas. And there are 49 Premier Cru, so there's a really high proportion of Premier Cru in the Montaigny appellation. So um, very high quality. 
250 to 400 meters plantings on south to southeast facing slopes. And here we have that rare occurrence of having an excellent cooperative. Usually in France and elsewhere, cooperatives focus on just making basic wine, which they've bought the grapes from their members and just make wine just to make sure that those members actually earn a living. But here, Montigny um, Co-op is excellent. It's called Cave de Buxy. So well worth looking out for. Then we also have a bit further north, Rui, where reds and whites are made. The reds have chewy tannins, the whites are quite fruity. And these are planted on soils of 230 to 300 meters. Two different types of soil are quite similar. Uh, clay and limestone for Chardonnay, and then lime soils, which are quite brown colored for Pinot Noir. And there are 23 Premier Cru in the village. Bourgoui is perhaps most important and most famous as being a center for the production of sparkling wine, here called Cremon de Bourgogne. And sparkling wine in Burgundy was first made at the beginning of the 19th century, and it's been made there ever since. It doesn't quite reach the quality that one would hope for. The grapes are the same as Champagne, so Chardonnay and Pinot Noir, so you think, why can't, and Burgundy is very close to Champagne, so why can't Burgundy make the same high-quality sparkling wine as Champagne? But of course, Pinot Noir and Chardonnay in Burgundy are always going to go into the still wines, at least the best grapes are going to go into the still wines, and then the lesser grapes are going to go into the sparkling wine, and often these grapes are, are rotting and not fully healthy. And so the quality, sadly, isn't really as high as one would hope and expect. Some producers do focus on making quality Cremant de Bourgogne, however, and they'll mainly be located in the Rui village. And the flavours will be citrus and apples, and the style is usually brute, so that kind of dry, off-dry style of sparkling wine. The wines are rarely expensive, so they can um, represent good value compared to the expensive wines of Champagne. And then we have an unusual, another unusual appellation, Bouzeron, which is to the north of the Chalonnais. And here, this is 100% Aligote. So Aligote is kind of the forgotten, overlooked grape of uh, Burgundy. It's white. And it's usually used to produce pretty simple white wine for local consumption. If you go into a Burgundy bar, there's usually Aligote there by the glass, pretty cheap, pretty cheerful. And also it can be used for Kier. And Kier is a cocktail supposedly invented by a local priest, which is Aligote, so kind of simple acidic white wine, with creme de cassis added to it to add fruitiness and sweetness and um, a bit of drinkability to the wine. So there's a lot of Kier sold in Burgundy and elsewhere in France too. But in Bouzeron there's a focus on Aligati as a quality wine, producing wines which are floral and flinty, and even with croissant aromas, it's quite a nice breadiness to the, um, or pastriness, to the wines of Bouzeron. And the reason that Aligati produces quality wine here is because the skins are less thick than elsewhere in Burgundy, so there's a better balance between acidity and alcohol. And also, the producers are focusing on Aligati as quality rather than a simple wine. And so the plantings, as ever in Burgundy, are higher up, 270 to 350 metres, on steep slopes with shallow soils and limestone and marl soils. And it's at the top of these slopes that Aligote is grown with a white marl and east-southeast facing slopes. And so here we have the unusual situation that the slopes lower down, which have a brown marl soil, lower quality of a Pinot Noir and Chardonnay. So this is the only region in, in Burgundy that focuses on Aligote over Pinot Noir and Chardonnay. And there's also made here is Bourgogne Aligote, and that's made all around Burgundy, and that's that simple cheap wine I was talking about. If you want to find a really good example of um, Bouzeron and the Aligote, uh, try out um, Aubert de Verlaine's label. He's the co-owner of um, 
domain de Romani Conti. And he focuses on Buzeron, really high quality white wine that costs about $30. So that's the Chalonnais. So if head further south to Maconnais. And Maconnais conditions really do begin to change. There's more sun, there's less rain, there's little frost. Yields are higher because of the more um, ideal conditions. And so generally the wine here is quite cheap. And uh, the landscape is rolling limestone hills. So again, the quality grapes are being planted on the limestone soils as the uh, that limestone escarpment really begins to end. There's a tier of appellations within the Maconnais. At the bottom, we have Macon, and then slightly higher up, we have Macon Supérieur. So Supérieur on a French label simply means that the, the grapes got a little bit riper on the vine, and so the al minimum alcohol is going to be a little bit higher. So the quality is a little bit higher, though not, not that much. And Macon and Macon Supérieur are made from Gamay. So the great grape of Beaujolais is made for pretty simple wine in Maconnais. Um, if Pinot is grown here, it usually goes into Bourgogne Rouge, because the prices um, fetched are higher. Then we have Macon Village, which is a higher level of quality, and it, this produces the majority of Macon's white wines. There are 43 villages which can contribute to the Macon Village, and sometimes you'll see the name of the village appended to the name. So, for example, Macon Village Luni could be an example of that, because the two best-known villages for the Macon Village appellation are Vivre and Luni. And usually these wines have no oak and they're designed to be drunk young within one or two years of uh, production. And in fact, that village of Vire has actually formed its own appellation now uh, called Vire Classe, which is based around four small villages, including Vire, uh, made into an appellation in the late 1990s. And then we have San Varan, going further south, which was made in an into an appellation in 1971. Uh, previously, it used to contribute wine or grapes to Beaujolais Blanc. And, but then uh, kind of ventured out as its own appellation in the 70s. And this has a limestone soil right next to Puy Fuisse appellation, which we'll look at in a second, and red sandy soil elsewhere. And there's a number of uh, small villages which contribute to the San Varan appellation. And if you want to try a producer, try Domaine de Rouche. And then we finish with uh, Puy Fuisse. And this is the most expensive appellation in the Maconnais region by some distance. It's all Chardonnay, and this is right at the, the, the end of the Burgundy region, where the limestone soil finally finishes. And here the area is dominated by a big limestone outcrop um, next to the village of Salutre. And this limestone outcrop indicates the limestone soils of the, the, the area, but it also acts as a sun trap. So that's not only is this the warmest part of uh, Burgundy, it's also got the sun trap to really capture the sun and really get an extra ripeness to the grapes. And so Puy Fuisse has four different uh, communes within the appellation of Fuisse itself and Salutre, and these produce the richest wines. And then Vergisson, which produces the lighter, more elegant style of wine, and Chantre is the fourth commune. So in general, the wines of Puy Fuisse are full-bodied and rich. They may lack some elegance. However, I do find that the wines of Puy Fuisse are getting better and better as winemakers really kind of really learn about the grapes and trying to tame them so they're not picked overripe. Also balancing the use of oak. Uh, Puy Fuisse used to have a lot of new oak and that's been really being cut back and some producers won't even use new oak. So that will just make the wines a bit more elegant. Puy Fuisse will have to be rich and creamy because of the malolactic fermentation. Because this is the warmest part of Burgundy, the uh, acidity is going to be a bit lower, so you really feel the creamy, yogurty nature of the Puy Fuisse. And maybe some producers will control the malolactic fermentation a little bit more to make the wines a bit more restrained. 
So despite the quality of Puy Fuise, there are no premier crew in the village or the appellation. And in fact, there are no premier crew anywhere within the Maconay. That's probably going to change. Puy Fuise is in the process of applying for some of its best vineyards to become premier crew. And that may um, actually come into play over the next year or so. But why are there no premier crew in such a high quality village? And the answer, of course, is history. The Grand Cru were created in the 1930s as part of, when, as part of the, the creation of the Appalachian system across France. But there were no Premier Cru created. Then in the 1940s, the Germans came. And they brought in a rule that they could commandeer any wine that they wanted to, except something labelled as first class. And so there were the 30-odd vineyards of um, Burgundy, which were labelled Grand Cru, so the Germans could not confiscate those wines. But the French had a problem. All the other high-quality wines they could confiscate. So they decided to come up with the Premier Cru appellation in Burgundy. The thing was, the Germans only occupied part of Burgundy up until the end of the Chalonnais. So you have the Premier Cru vineyards, which were created to stop the Germans confiscating those wines, all throughout the Côte d'Or and through the Côte Chalonnais. The Maconnais, however, was not um, occupied by the Germans, so there was no need to create any Premier Cru. So that's the simple reason why there are no Premier Cru anywhere in the Maconnais. But um, as I said, hopefully that is going to change very soon. And then there are also two um, other appellations with the Puy name, Puy Vanzel and Puy Loche. And these are right next to um, Puy Fuise, a similar style but much smaller production and maybe a bit harder to find. So that um, concludes not just the Coach Chalonnais and the Maconnais, but Burgundy uh, as in general. Thank you for listening. This is Matthew, and this has been Matthew's World of Wine and Drink.